Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Who threw Jonah into the seas? The mariners, the people on the boat. But look at what he says. For you cast me into the seas. You know Jonah's acknowledging? God is sovereign over everything. I hate to hear Christians complaining about what people are doing to them as though God is not in charge of everything. It tells me that sometimes people have a too small a view of God and too big a view of people. The people at my job are against me. So they're trying to keep me from, can somebody keep you from what God is going to give you? No. We like to think that we always know what's best for ourselves in life. We enjoy making our own decisions. And when things don't go our way, we try to blame anyone but ourselves. In today's message, Pastor Bill explains how Jonah does this very thing. And even still, God looks out for him. Jonah directly disobeys God. And it's not until he starts following God's plan that his life begins to flourish and turn around for the better. Trust in God's plan for your life, and he will never leave your side. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Jonah chapter 2 as he begins his message in deep water with God. Father in heaven, we do thank you for just another day, God. Thank you for waking us, Lord. Thank you for um, just the ability, the opportunity to gather together with your people, to gather around your name, Lord, to worship you. So right now, God, to sit at your feet, to receive from your word. Lord, I trust that you know each of us. You know everybody here. You know our weaknesses and strengths. You know how we're doing with you. God, I pray today you would speak to our hearts, Lord, that your word would be living and powerful that you would meet us where we are, reveal things that need to be revealed, Lord, even expose areas of our hearts. As we look specifically today, God, how to get right with you when we've messed up. I pray if there are any present, Lord, that they're just condemned and beat up, they have messed up. God, I pray today would be a day of repentance for many, Lord, that we would turn back to you with all of our hearts. Lord, that we would understand how to do it and how you've made provision that we could. And so, Lord, teach us through your word this morning. Have your way in this time. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said. Amen. All right. If you're writing notes, title today's message in deep water with God. Brief recap of Jonah chapter one. In my Bible, I actually wrote it out like a play. It's a G J G J down my thing, like a script for a, a screenplay. But God starts it off. God tells Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, go to this great city. And I want you to preach the message that I tell you. Jonah says, I don't want to go. He gets in a boat going in the opposite direction to Tarshish. God moves, God sends a storm to rack the boat up, demonstrating to Jonah that he's sovereign. The little side sub story of the guys in the boat, the mariners in the boat, they end up getting saved through the whole thing. They eventually come to Jonah and say, hey, you know, call upon your God. We want to know what's going on. Everybody's calling upon their gods that don't exist. They find out that the cause of the storm is Jonah's rebellion, his running away from God. It comes down to them saying, they ask Jonah, what do we need to do to appease your God, to make things right? And Jonah said, just throw me overboard. Uh, We talked about that last week. He could have said, turn the boat around and go to Nineveh. But he said, throw me overboard. And we talked about that, how the depth of his rebellion and And really, it was his desire. He did not want to see them saved. They were such a a wicked people. And so he didn't have God's heart. He said, I'd rather die than go. And so he was thrown overboard. And as soon as Jonah hit the water, the storm stopped. And so all the guys on the boat, these non-believing pagan mariners, they made vows and commitments to God. They end up getting saved in the process. And then it says the last verse of chapter one says, now the Lord had prepared a great fish 
to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And so we come to chapter two, verse one. I have to go to that that last verse because the first word in chapter two is then. Before we look at Jonah's prayer, he's going to pray to God from the belly of the fish. I just want to point out that it took three days and three nights. Three days and three nights it took him to say, I need to call out to the Lord. And I really believe that revealed just the, the depth of hardness. If I get thrown overboard when my body hits the water and goes splash, I think I'm praying then like I messed up. God, forgive me. Lord, do, do a miracle. Lord, help intervene somehow. Do something. Now it says God prepared a great fish. So we don't know what it was. A lot of people say it was a well. It could have been a well. It could have been a one off custom fish that God God prepared a great fish to swallow the man whole. We don't really know what it was, but it, it was able to swallow him without biting and chewing and killing him, which was cool on God's part. You know, uh, if I were God, you would got a couple of nipples or something, you know, so he swallowed whole. And now he's in the belly of an animal. If it were a well, I was looking up uh, this online. The temperature in the stomach of a well is 98 degrees. With stomach acid and seaweed and everything else that's running around, dead fish and whatever else he done consumed along the way. If that were the case, how long could you sit in that before you start saying, I done messed up, God. I'm sorry. Three days, three nights. I just want you to catch. Because maybe there's some of you here that are like that. Got hard hearts. Some people, the bottom is really shallow. What it takes to bring you to the place of repentance is small for some of us. For some of us just sitting in here in a word. Convicted, broken, to tears, turning away from sin. For some of you, you got to get the full spanking. Upside down, by the ankles, pop, pop, pop. I mean, you got to get the full ordeal before you finally say, uncle, you know, Lord, I repent, I'm sorry. And, and, and this is how good God is, whatever it takes, right? Whatever it takes. If your bottom is shallow, I'll speak a word to you then. But if you need the spanking, God's good. Got to bring the spanking. Amen. There's a story I thought of. You don't have to go there, but it's in Second Chronicles. And it's just a it's a compare and contrast. One of the greatest kings Israel had was Hezekiah. Second Chronicles between 30 to 33. We get Hezekiah and then his son Manasseh. Hezekiah was a great king. He was a godly man. He honored God with his life and his authority as a king. And in one moment, it said that he got a little bit prideful. His heart got a little haughty. And the Bible says that the judgment of God loomed over him like God was looking at his heart get prideful and God was like, oh, I got to come and, and discipline that. Then it says he just repented of what he was doing. And so God didn't punish him. God didn't warn him. It wasn't like God said, if you, you stay like that, I'm going to get you. Something in his own heart said, I mean, this is not right for me to be this way. He repented and God said, good, I don't have to do it. And he didn't punish him. Well, this son Manasseh was a knucklehead. Completely opposite of his dad. He was wicked. It said as soon as Manasseh took over, he started to seduce the people to worship other gods. All the stuff his dad had done, he undid it. And he brought him into a place of idolatrous worship. Second Chronicles 33 says, and the Lord spoke to him, but he wouldn't listen. And so then it says God sent the captain of the army, army of Assyria, the same people that Jonah hates, to take him captive with bronze fetters, handcuffs, and hooking his nose. And then it says when he was afflicted, when he was in torment, when he was in that place, they done beat him and tortured him. And he's in prison with the Assyrians. It says, then he cried out to the Lord. And guess what God did? God heard him. And it says, then he knew that the Lord was God and he got to go back. God delivered him. and He got to spend the rest of his time as king doing it the right way. And so I look at Hezekiah and he just felt like he was wrong and said, sorry. And God said, I'll take that. 
And I look at Manasseh, who got the full spanking. And when he finally repented, God said, I'll take that. I'm sharing with you both sides so y'all can take the easy way out. Let it be at a word. Amen. Can God just speak a word and we just say, yes, Lord. Yes, I repent. I want you to consider, have you ever been in deep water? Have you ever been in big trouble with God, with somebody, with something? Have you ever messed up really, really, really bad? I was thinking this through in my life, and there's many, many times, but I tried to pick an innocent one, so I didn't, I didn't scar your minds on Sunday morning. When, when we were kids, my sister and I are your part. We weren't bad kids, but we were bad kids, you know? <laughs> like, I don't know. We were just, like, free. And my mom and dad were still married, so we were pretty young, and they left us with my dad's mom. My grandma, Jewel, was going to stay at our house with us for a week while my parents went on a vacation. Now, my grandma Jewel didn't spank. There were some other people that babysat us that spanked. My grandma Jewel didn't spank, so it was like, we knew when she came, it was like, oh, it's gonna be on. Like, it was gonna be no law. Like, if you didn't spank us, we didn't obey you, you know? So, she came and, I mean, we cut up. We broke rules, we, did, we just did what we wanted to do. We were just having a week, and here was the high point. We went to this restaurant, used to be right on Imperial. We walked, it was a smorgasbord restaurant there. And we went there and they had roaches in the restaurant. My grandma had roaches at her home. She was accustomed to it. So one roach went across and she went smack on the table. We fell out laughing. And I don't know if you've ever been with somebody that when they laugh, you can't stop laughing. That was me and my sister. So I'm laughing. Then she's my grandma's like, you guys stop it. You guys stop it. And we're like trying to stop it. And she smirked. And we just, we couldn't stop it. And so she was irate. Like, stop it now. And we're like... We couldn't stop it the whole time. We laughed. We did all the way walking back home. We laughed. I remember that was the next day my dad was coming back. And I was like, I'm sorry, <laughs> Grandma. She's like, I'm telling your dad. And I'll never forget, my dad, my dad pulled up. They had souvenirs for us. My dad and mom came in. And then they went back and talked to my grandma. And it was like everything changed. My dad came back and he said, go in there. And he already was getting the belt, the good belt ready. He was like, you go in there. You go in there. I got some, she got some, I got some, she got some. Once my grandma told my dad, there was nothing I could say to my dad to stop what was coming. He just messed up real bad. And we got double, I never had a double whooping either. I had, like, I got a whooping, and usually when they stop, it's over, okay? Woo, it was like, you stay right there. He went and whooped my sister, so I got to hear that, and then he came back for round two. I'm like, I never had a two-round whooping, you know? So I know we had messed up, so. In this chapter, obviously Jonah is literally in deep water with the Lord. He's messed up. He's rebelled against the command of God. And now he finds himself in the belly of the fish. His prayer is going to be very interesting. I would think the prayer would be, I'm sorry. God, forgive me. Lord, help me. When you read through the entire prayer, he's worshiping. It's a prayer mostly of praise. What's he praising God for at this point? And I'm throw that out to you guys real quick. What, what would he have to praise God for at that moment? In the sea, in the belly of the fish, what does Jonah have to be thankful for at that moment? That he's still alive, right? Because you can miss this in the story. God sending that great fish saved his life. He's praising God for that. He don't know yet that he's going to get thrown up on dry land and get to go finish the mission. He's in the belly of the fish, in the bottom of the sea or wherever that fish is. And he's thanking God for that deliverance. Let's look at it now. Look at Jonah chapter two, verse one. It says, then when after three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God from the fish's belly. And he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. And he answered me. 
If you're writing notes, I'd like you to write down these two verses out of Psalm. Write down Psalm 119, verse 67, and Psalm 119, verse 71. The psalmist says this there. He says, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. Psalm 119, 71 says, it is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. And the psalmist says, you know what? When I was affliction brought me to that place of surrender and submission and obedience. I finally get it. It took a whooping. It took some affliction. But now I get it. And so Jonah says, look, it took affliction, took three days and three nights. But now he's there and he cried out to the Lord because of his affliction. And God answered him. Here's another thing, right? That I love about the Lord. God, I mean, he, he messed up. He did wrong. He cried out. And it says, but when he cried out, God answered. If you look through scripture at people that messed up, when they turn back to the Lord, guess what? God hears them. Did anybody turn back to the Lord in sincerity that God says, nope, 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 not this, not this time. When people turn back to the Lord, he hears them. When the prodigal son did the most disrespectful thing you can do as a son, dad, give me what I get when you die. I'll, it'll be, I mean, you, you, you imagine how disrespectful that, in that culture, he could have been stoned. You could have took that boy to the city gates and stoned him, but the father said, give it to him. He gave him his inheritance before death. And he went and he wasted it all, but when he came back, what happened? It says the father saw him from afar off, ran out, fell on his neck, kissed him and received him. He took him back. Forgive him. Boom. Instant. He didn't even stutter step. He ran out. It wasn't even like God sat there like, mm, I knew you'd be coming, you know, like some of us would do. You know, we would be terrible. God, wouldn't we? If God treated us the way we do people. Uh, oh, you are you sorry now? I, I know you are sorry. You didn't crash your car and you lost your job. Oh, you, oh now you're sorry. Mm-hmm, yeah, I'm glad God's not us. When people come back, God says, that's, that's all I wanted. I wanted us to be together. He's a loving God. That's why we worship him. That's why it really is no reason. Why wouldn't somebody come back to the Lord? Right. If you're distant, you're separated, you've messed up. Why wouldn't you come to him? Why wouldn't you come back? And he's so good. What keeps you? What hinders you? What would keep you from coming to a God like that? There should be nothing. We should run to him and be glad that we could. Amen. If you're writing notes, you can outline it this way. Jonah's prayer is there's not a single petition or thing that he asks God to do or asks from God. Verses two through six. It's primarily a thanksgiving. Verses seven and eight is his sorrow over his sin, his contrition. He's sorry for what he's done. And then we'll see in verse nine that he rededicates himself, rededicates his life. He, he recommits himself to God's purpose. And so verses two through six, thanksgiving, seven through eight, his sorrow over his sin or his contrition. And then verse nine, uh, Jonah rededicates himself to, to God, to what God would want him to do. And so look at verse two through six now, second part of verse two. Uh, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried, and you heard my voice. That word Sheol can be used for the grave. He's, he's, uh, this is an analogy here. He's looking at the fish like a grave. Interesting that later Jesus would use this same picture of Jonah being in the belly of the fish three days and three nights as an illustration of him dying and being buried for three days and then coming back. Uh, we'll look at that at the end of the message. Verse three, it says, you cast me into the deep into the heart of the seas and the floods surrounded me. Notice this. Who threw Jonah into the seas? The mariners, the people on the boat. But look at what he says. For you cast me into the seas. You know, Jonah's acknowledging God is sovereign over everything. I hate to hear Christians 
complaining about what people are doing to them as though God is not in charge of everything. It tells me that sometimes people have a too small a view of God and too big a view of people. The people at my job are against me. So they're trying to keep me from. Can somebody keep you from what God is going to give you? No, it should free you up. I should never have to trip off with somebody again. They're not giving me my due. Whatever. God is sovereign. They can't do nothing to me that God don't permit them to do. I'm good. That needs to be the mindset of believer. We'll be a lot less petty and a lot less complaining. And we'll be it'll be easier to deal with difficult people when I realize that you're just a part of God's plan for my life. Difficult people are part of God's plan to shave away the stuff that don't look like him in my life. I need them. Right. Gracious and loving people at times are a part of God's plan for my life to grace me and to bless me. But when it's all said and done, nobody can do to me something that don't pass by the throne. Everything is father filtered. Amen. Everything. And so I don't have to look at a boss. I don't have to look at a a superior person, a person in a position over me and feel like they could keep me from. You can't keep me from anything. I look to the Lord. I don't have to kiss your behind so you'll give me something. And I don't have to be mad at you because you didn't give it when I look above your head to the Lord for everything. It may come through your hand. I thank God for it. Appreciate it. It may be that you may be the hand that shuts the door. Lord, you open doors and no man can open. You shut doors, no man can open. And you open doors, no man can shut. It's you. You're in charge. The mariners threw him overboard, but he said, God, you cast me into the sea. This is this is your doing in my life. I recognize that. He not in the bottom of the sea saying, those mariners, they threw me over the boat, you know, especially when he didn't give him a better option anyway. So I just wanted to point that out to you guys that he's recognizing God's God's hand and what's going on. And so look at verse four. It says, then he said, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. A couple things here. Jonah's thanking the Lord, but he recognizes as he's saying these things, Lord, you know what troubles him? So I've been cast out of your sight. Never mind the fact that, I mean, I went the wrong way. I got on the boat. I got thrown in the sea and I'm in the belly of a fish. God, I'm separated from you because the Bible says it's our sins separate us from the Lord. Right. Isaiah 59 verses one and two says God's God's ear is not deaf that he can't hear. His hand is not short that he can't say. Says, But it's your sins that have separated between you and your God and hidden his face from you. Sin does spring separation. And Jonah's here loathing the fact that man, I, my life has brought me distance between me and my God. That's what sin does. And so I wonder for us, is that a concern? You know, when people go off, when they do their own thing, or, or do we become aware of the fact that man, I, I've actually distanced myself from the Lord who loves me, who died for me? The most important relationship I can have, I, I'm distant from him. That's what Jonah's recognizing here, that I'm, I'm out of, I've been cast out of your sight. And he says, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. And so he says, I know that I've been cast out, but I'm going to look back to you. I'm going to look again towards your holy temple. God, I'm going to look in your direction again. I'm I'm turning to you at this time. Something I thought of, you could write it in your notes, write down Psalm 73, verse 17. He says, the wicked get away with everything. They don't have pain in their death. I'm looking around at wicked people prospering. You know, he says, it looked like I'm doing the right thing for nothing. I'm doing all the right stuff. I'm not, it's not going my way. The wicked are just, they're blessed. They're prospering. They don't hurt when they die. I mean, 16 verses of him saying, man, it just, it don't, this doesn't look fair, Lord. It just doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem like, it doesn't seem like you're being fair to the righteous when I look at how well it seems to be going for the wicked. But you know, when everything changed in that Psalm, when everything got made right in verse 17, he said, it says this. He says, until I went into the sanctuary of the Lord. And then he says, then I remembered their end. 
Surely you set them in slippery places and you cast them down to destruction. You know what happens when he went back into God's presence, when he went back into the sanctuary of the Lord? His perspective got put right. He says, man, I'm looking at what's happening on earth, forgetting about what's happening in eternity. I'm looking at what it looks like right now instead of looking at what's really happening. I'm seeing what's happening on the surface, but not what's happening behind the scenes. But somehow when I come back into the sanctuary, when I come back into your presence, when I come back into the place where you're meeting me and speaking to me, he says, now I see it the way it's supposed to be. I feel sorry for them. That's why it's so important that we come into the sanctuary of the Lord. Amen. That we come together like this, that we come to the table of the word ourselves on a daily basis, that we feed on his word, that we regularly come into just communion with the Lord, that God would. We live in a wicked, twisted, jacked up world. You guys know that? It's pretty messed up out there, but we need to come to the word and just let the Lord sometimes just tweak our thinking. Lord, give me your your give me your insight on what's going on, that I wouldn't be overwhelmed with all this going on. I look at our world right now. It's a mess. Things are bad. This is happening. That's happening to presidents and who's going to be this. And people are fighting and there's racial stuff going on, all these different things. I back up and come to the word and God says there are people going to hell, people going to heaven. People going to heaven need to be reaching out to the people going to hell. That's your perspective. Don't get caught up in all them little wars about nothing. Don't get caught up arguing about this and arguing about that. That's not your business. I'm not a politician. I never want to be. I'm not built for that. I'm a preacher, though. I'm a preacher of the gospel. I'm a Christian. God to do that. You know, don't get wrapped up and argue. What do you think about this? I think they both need Jesus. That's what I think about it. You know, <laughs> I think we should be praying for. I think whichever one gets elected is going to need our prayers. That's what I think. That's what the Bible says. Amen. I hope that sets you free. I hope that sets you free today. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Look at verse five. He says, the waters surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep clothes around me, weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains, the earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. Now, again, Jonah's not out of the fish yet. But this sounds like Jonah saying, Lord, I'm good. You have brought me out of the pit, but you're still in the belly of the fish. How do you praise God like that from there? I believe as I read this, that Jonah believed God was going to deliver him. This may be a praise in advance because he's still in the belly of the fish. He's saying, I mean, he doesn't know where he's going. This is so cool to me. Jonah got in a boat, a vessel in the water going the opposite direction that God told him to go. God swallowed him up in a great fish, another vessel in the water. Guess what vessel, guess where this vessel is headed? Back toward Nineveh. Because when this thing is all done and the fish vomits Jonah out, guess where he's going to be? One day's walk from Nineveh. How'd that happen? God's sovereign. God's like, I, I got something better than a boat. You're going to get, I got, I got, I'm going to get you where you need to be. And I don't know if you guys have ever been in this scenario where you tried to go against what God wanted. And God's like, you, you're going the long way, but you're going to end up in the same place. You're going to waste some time. You're going to go through some unnecessary hardship. But when it's all said and done, you'll be right where I want you to be. And that's something we need to realize when we, people that take vacations from God, people that commit themselves to seasons of rebellion, because God is gracious and God is merciful. And sometimes people in their foolishness are like, well, I'm going to just go do this for a while, then I'll come back. Maybe you will. But what's it going to cost you? What do you lose in the middle, right? You lose time. Some people never make it back. Some people get so wrapped up over here in this thing that they don't make it back. Some people's hearts get hardened and they don't recover from that. In the best case scenario, you wasted time. And you've endured some unnecessary hardship. So everybody on the front end, we need to just be people that submit to the Lord up front. Amen. If God says go, yes, Lord, whatever you say, I'm just going to do what you told me to do. 
I'm going to obey you up front. That's where we want to be. We want to be obeying God, but he's thanking God from where he's at. Something I, I noticed as you read through this. In his prayer, there are quotations of bits and pieces of the Psalms. You've been listening to another edition of A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Thanks for tuning in. If you missed any part of this message or want to explore more of Pastor Bill's messages, visit our website, calvaryinglewood.org. You'll also find links to our app. This way you can take biblical teaching and God's Word with you wherever you go. You can simply click on the link at our website or search for Calvary Chapel Inglewood in your app store. If you're ever in the Inglewood area, we'd like to meet you. Our services are held on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 and on Wednesday evenings at 7. And you're welcome to attend any and all of them. We'll spend time diving deeper into God's Word, worshiping our Savior, and just getting to know one another better. We'd be honored to have you join us. And if you're unable to visit us in person, we stream our services online. For more information, just visit CalvaryInglewood.org or feel free to text. You can reach us at 310-245-4811. That's 310-245-4811. Thanks for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of Jonah. There's much to learn and to apply to your life today, even though Jonah's story took place long ago. That's the beauty of the Bible. God's Word is timeless. Feel free to read ahead and be sure to join us again right here on A Transforming Word.